Our scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 2. You'd like to turn there, and we're going to start there in our lesson this morning. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. It says, And he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And it came about that as he was, as he was reclining in his house, and many tax gatherers and sinners who were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for they were all, there were many of them, and they were following him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax gatherers, they began saying to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax gatherers and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's good to see everyone this morning. It is wonderful to be able to come together on the first day of the week and to do those things that we have been commanded to do. We are so very blessed that we are able to do that here, and it is good to be together on this first day of the week. I want to talk this morning about what we read, the beginnings of what we read here in Mark's accounting of this event when, when Matthew was called and the subsequent things that happened there. And I, what I want to show you this morning is, from the scriptures, is there is a difference between a sinner and one who sins. And the origins of that start here, at least for our context and our lesson this morning, and how Jesus draws a distinction. We'll look at some other passages here and see that there are indeed distinctions between the two. And I hope that what we'll take away from it is understanding that no matter what, we're all either were or are sinners. That sin is prevalent in the world. Sin is something that we have had to deal with since the very beginning. All the way back with Adam and Eve, the first two humans on the earth. That's how far back sin dates. And it will be here until the Lord comes again. So let's get our hands around it. Let's get our arms around it and, and, and hopefully have a better understanding of this idea of the difference between a sinner and one who sins. So let's start with the first part of that and understanding that who is a sinner? And I'll make this statement, and we'll, again, look at some scriptures to, to bear this out. And at least as far as it goes for us in living in the time of the law of Christ, that who is a sinner? And it's all those who are outside of Jesus. As we read there in Mark chapter 2, we begin to, to see the distinction here. As our Lord is, is speaking there, the, the context there, he's just called... Matthew, that is Levi, as Mark writes, renders his name here, to come with him and be one of his disciples and would be one of his apostles. And then there's the opportunity where he's eating in the, at the table and, and there are those gathered around him, tax gatherers and sinners, and they're all eating together with the Lord. And, and the Pharisees and the scribes that come up to him and say, why, or come to his disciples and say, why are these people, or why is Jesus eating with these people? The tax gatherers and the sinners. So right there we see a distinction that's being made. Now, in the first century and when our Lord is teaching, we, we see, and, and the audience who's coming to him, the scribes and Pharisees, these are the eldership of the Jewish 
faith. And so they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, why is he, or, or, or coming to his disciples and saying, why is Jesus eating with this group of people over here who are sinners? And Jesus says there, as so brilliantly in his teaching, he, he turns it a little bit. He doesn't always, sometimes he answers the question directly. A lot of times he'll be completely over here in his answer, and then sometimes it's a blending of how he answers. And I think that's what's happening here. When he says it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And so and then he goes on to say, I did not come to call the righteous. In other words, there are some that are righteous, there are some that are in this time living under the law of Moses that are, that are protected under that, if you will. And Jesus is saying, I came to call sinners. Now, as we all know, and as the, the broader strokes will tell us, that we will all come under the law of Christ. But at the time, the immediate context here, there, there is the law of Moses that's still in place. But Jesus is, is letting us know that all of those who are outside of him are sinners. All those who are outside of God are sinners. We can further see the, the distinction as we go through the New Testament. Go with me over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 there, is a familiar passage to us, a familiar verse. It says, God demonstrates his own love um, toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here again, the distinction is, is coming through. That while we were yet sinners, who's the we? Well, Paul's including, Paul's including himself, right? Those who are outside of Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we see the distinction that's coming through. If you look over in verse 19 of chapter 5, it says, For as through one man's disobedience the many uh, were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one the many will be made righteous. In the context here, Paul is talking, is laying out how sin came into the world through Adam. You come back up there through verse 12 and see how he lays all that out. Not that we inherited Adam's sin, but through Adam's sin came into the world. And it says there that all died. Why? Not because we inherited Adam's sin. No, we all died because we have sinned. Because all sin. That's why we die. We're responsible for our own sin in the context here. But down there in verse 19, which we just read, as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And how is it that we are sinners? Because we have sinned. We are sinners. And then he says, through the obedience, uh, uh, even so the obedience of the one, that is Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Because what Jesus did and our response to what Jesus did, we're made righteous. So again, the distinction is there. Go over with me one more place here in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Beginning of verse 8, it says, We know the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners. For the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, 
and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever, whatever else is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So you see the distinction? There's those who are inside of Christ who are subject to sound teaching and, and, and live their life and live in accordance with that. And then there's all the others who don't. Those are the sinners. Those are the ones who are outside of Christ. Those are the ones who are outside of Jesus. But thanks be to God that we have a remedy for that. We're going to keep talking about this remedy as we go through. In Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So while there is that opportunity and the, the very harsh reality that the world is full of sin, there is a way that we can escape it. And that's been provided through Jesus Christ. So we can be transferred from the darkness into the light, from being a sinner into the idea of being in the kingdom of God. So we laid that down. Let's understand now who sins. So the distinction is what we're trying to discover here is the difference between a sinner and one who sins. So we said that the one uh, sinner is that all those who are outside of Christ. But what about those who sin? Who is it that sins? Well, I have some bad news for you. You know who sins? Everyone. Everybody. Let's look at a few scriptures to help us understand that. Romans 3 and verse 23, of course, we know that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now in that, I, I, you all know me well enough to know, I love where those passages are simple and resounding and easy to understand. This is one of them. This is that one-stop shop. It shows the past and the, con and the current condition of a Christian. All have sinned in the past, and what? Fall short of the glory of God. So we have sinned. We were in a condition of being a sinner. Those of us who have put on Christ are now transferred into the kingdom of his glorious son. That is Jesus, of course. And now what is our condition? We fall short of the glory of God. Let's back this up a little bit more. Look over in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. Again, clear, simple teaching. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. It says, if we, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Skip over verse 9 for just a moment. Come down to verse 10. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. That doesn't leave anybody out, does it? If we say we haven't sinned, if we say we don't sin, we're a liar. The truth is not in us. John makes it very, very clear that sin is a real problem and something that even as Christians we have to deal with. But again, 
In the midst of all this, there's the remedy. And even in between these two verses, in verse 8 and verse 10, there's a remedy that, that John mentions here in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, sandwiched in between verse 8, where it says that, we're, that it says, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. That's kind of going along with what Paul said over there in Romans, isn't it? Have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Past tense, present tense. But in between those two is the remedy. Confess our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a blessing? Let's go over to Romans chapter 6. In the context here, we often come to, to Romans and, and it's... it's rightfully so, Romans chapter 6 here, to talk about baptism. And it's easy for us to, to, to fall into that and, and have our minds focus on that, but, but in, in the context we're talking about this morning, I want you to think about sin. Think about this idea that we're laying down about sin, one who sins, and the remedy for that. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ is raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You see, there's that, that remedy of that sinful life that we've put, put down in the waters of baptism. Paul is asking, why, why should you continue in that? You've put that man to death. Verse 5, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our old body of sin might be done away with. We should no longer be slaves to sin. You see that? You see how we put away that old body of sin. We put away that sinner been crucified with him, been buried with him. But Paul says, surely as, we, as Jesus has been resurrected, surely we shall be also. To what? To walk in newness of life. The sinner's dead. Now we have a new body, if you will. The old man of sin is dead. We now walk in newness of life. Verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, that the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the sinner is dead. The sinner is dead. Now we walk in newness of life, and as surely as Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and is, is alive today, that's the condition that we are in, figuratively speaking. We have been buried in baptism. We walk in newness of life. So let's live accordingly. 
Let's live a life that shows that we are dedicated to righteousness and to living a life uh, free of sin. Is it possible? We have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Paul, uh, John says that we, we sin, and there's a remedy for that. We're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. But it doesn't mean that we're a sinner. It means that we are a child of God who has made a mistake, and there's a remedy for that. So then, what's the difference? What is the difference? And we've been talking about this a little bit as we go, but I hope that this will kind of crystallize what we're talking about here. What is the difference between a sinner and one who sins? Let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9. Again, listen for the distinctions here. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. We understand that. We understand that that's not the kingdom of God. But listen to how, how he speaks now about the Corinthians. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Is that a hard pill to swallow, maybe? Such were some of you. But, the remedy. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Who was it that was outside of Christ? All. Everyone. Everyone who has not put on Christ through baptism. Drunkards, adulterers, homosexuals, covetous, all are outside of the kingdom of God. But what? But... You've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified through the waters of baptism. Go back over 1 John. Back over to 1 John, now verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. This discussion here that, that John is engaged in and, and helping his readers understand the idea that you're no longer a sinner, but you are going to fall short. You are going to sin. He's helping them with that. Verse 1 of chapter 2, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. What's the goal of a Christian? It should be that we may not sin. It should be our goal to not sin. And I think as we get older, if we're dedicated uh, to a life of Christ, I think those sins will become less and less frequent. I hope so. That's my goal. But we do slip from time to time. If anyone of you sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So there's the remedy again. And he himself is the propitiation of our sins, and not only for ours, but all of those of the whole world. And by this that we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. What is it that the word of God perfects us? He wants us to follow, obey, and to, to go along with, to submit ourselves to his will. 
If we're doing that, the love of God has been perfected. That's what he wants for everybody. By this, the end of verse 5, by this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. There again, think about what we read over there in Romans 6, what was Paul talking about? As surely as Jesus has been resurrected from the grave, we have been also. We have been resurrected from that watery grave of baptism. We ought to live our life in accordance with the will that he has for us. He who abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So there's the difference. We've been changed. We've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified. Look with me one last place. 1 Timothy chapter 1 again. Paul holds him up as, himself up as an example in so many things. And, and I think in this, we see such a wonderful example of what we've been talking about. Paul holds himself up as this example of the difference between a sinner and one who sins. Or as a, more specifically, as a sinner who has been perfected, who has been justified, who has been um, transformed by the grace of God. And you'll hear that in, in what he says here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. And yet I was shown mercy because I acted, in ignorant, uh, I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. See how Paul is recognizing his former life? And he was. We understand. We can read about it in the text. Uh, how he was in hearty agreement with, with putting, uh, having Stephen stoned to death. He was standing right there. Verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? To save sinners. Paul says, among whom I am foremost of all. Paul recognized the condition that he was in. A blasphemer, um, persecutor, a violent aggressor. That was his sinful state that he was in. He was a sinner. But thanks be to God that through his grace, through his mercy, he's able to put Paul into service, to transform him out of the, the darkness into the kingdom. Verse 16, it says, And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul's holding himself up as that example. And the example that Jesus led, and that he was a man, that he suffered and he was uh, tempted in all ways yet he did not sin and, and he was put to death and then he was raised from the dead that's the forerunner for us on this earth we're put to death in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life and we are to not be in that former state not in darkness but now in the kingdom of light verse 17 now to the king eternal immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen the remedy 
The remedy through all this is God's grace and his mercy. And through Jesus Christ who made it all possible. So I'll leave you with this this morning. And again, context we think about sometimes when we talk about our bodies and what we do to our bodies and how we take care of our bodies. Think about it in terms of what we've been talking about this morning. Do you not know that your 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and to, that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. What did it take for us to be able to put to death that old man of sin? What did it take for us to not have to actually die, to die to sin? It took Jesus Christ. It took his actual death, burial, and resurrection that gives us the opportunity to die figuratively in the waters of baptism. So we put to death that old man of sin, and now we can walk in newness of life. And as John said over there, we ought to walk. How, how, how ought we to walk? And Paul states it this way, you have been bought with a price. Let's not take our salvation lightly. It's simple. It's easy to do. You recognize that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you repent of your sins and you're ready to be baptized. And all you have to do is to be put down in those waters of baptism and raised up. How simple is that? How beautifully simple is that? Yet, it's a high cost. It costs Jesus his life. It costs him... The, the leaving heaven to come to earth and to live as a man, to be, to be tempted, to be tortured, to suffer. It's a very high price for such a simple thing. Yet, we need to glorify God, glorify God in our body. So let's walk in newness of life. Let's walk not as the Gentiles do, as Paul says, but let's walk as children of God. We're no longer sinners. We're not outside of Christ. We are in Christ. We're going to fall from time to time. We're going to sin. It's going to happen. We have a remedy for it. 1 John 1 and verse 9. We confess our sins. He is righteous and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's still there to be able to do that. So let's draw the distinction. Let's recognize the world is full of sinners. And let's recognize that we are still subject to sin as well. But there is a difference. And thanks be to God that we are in the kingdom and we have that opportunity to be forgiven of those sins. It also speaks to what we need to do as children of God. We need to reach out into the world. We need to reach out to those who are sinners and show them that they are outside of Christ. And being outside of Christ excludes them from an eternal life in heaven. Stakes are very high. Let's make sure we're doing our best to tell the world about Jesus Christ.